Hello, and welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, aka Nomad Neeks, and this podcast is the place to be if you are looking to start creating a lifestyle that you love. From business, entrepreneurship, travel, starting and sustaining a digital nomad lifestyle, and of course, making money online and investing, we talk about all of it here. So let's dive into it. Welcome back to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I am your host, Nicole, aka Nomad Meeks. And today's episode, I wanted to throw it back a little bit because I know my very first episode, episode number one, is sharing about me and my story, but that was what, 121 episodes now? So that was a while ago. So today I'm going to be sharing a little bit more about my journey, how I got to where I am today, how I have built the business that I have, how I became a digital nomad, answering all of the very common and general questions that I get about digital nomad journey and what that journey has looked like for me from different people online. So let's dive into the first thing that I'm going to address, which is a little bit about my story. If you want the full version, listen to episode one. But the short version is that I am from Canada and I finished my university education, you know, all of the things, quote unquote, that you're supposed to do. And I was 21 years old, I believe, at the time. And I was about to start my real life. You know, school had finished and I was like, okay, this is what real life is going to look like. And I started it. I got a corporate job. It was not the job I wanted. It was in my hometown. I wanted to be in the big city. But even just having that job, which wasn't exactly my dream, I still was realizing at 21 years old that I knew what the rest of my life was going to look like. And I didn't want to live a life where I knew what the rest of my life was going to look like. How boring is that? And I know that some people want that. If you're listening, that's probably not you. But I always say, you know, if you are doing what you love and it's a heck yes, then that is what matters and I am happy for you. But for me, I knew that working for somebody else and climbing this corporate ladder and getting all the things that you're supposed to get, you know, the mortgage and the car payment and the 2.5 kids, I was like, that's not going to make me fulfilled. That's probably just going to leave me lead me to an early midlife crisis. I ended up moving to China in 2017, six years ago now, and never looked back. I had no idea what to expect in China. I didn't know if I was going to love it or hate it. I remember just saying to myself, the worst, worst, worst thing that can happen is that I'll hate it and I'll come home and I will regroup and then I'll figure out what else to do from there. It's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out. I have to try things. Otherwise, how am I going to know what I really want in life? So moved to China, ended up meeting a great community of people, loved it there, stayed for longer than I expected. I stayed for four years. I was locked out of China during the pandemic. That's a whole nother story. But when I was stuck outside of China for about 10 months during the pandemic, I realized that what I was doing for the second time in my life was not what I was really aligned with. I was working in China in a job that I didn't love. I was not passionate about. I was just going through the motions. I was basically doing the same thing I would have done in Canada, just in a different country. I, again, took a hard look at my life and realized that that was not what I wanted to be doing. 
And I ended up moving again, went back to China just to finish out my time there, but started an online business. Realized that I could make money online, that I could travel the world, as I think many of us did during this time, because I think that was what I always wanted. But moving to China was really the only thing that I knew was a possibility. I didn't know before that you could travel the world and work online. I didn't realize that was even a possibility. Then COVID kind of opened up many of our eyes to that. Built something for myself in the online space. I love, love, love working in tech and software and kind of doing the back end of a lot of things. I ended up finding some clients, which I'll talk about later in the episode, and built a business from that. Well, that's a little bit about my story and how I started. And now I've been traveling full time for two, two and a half years, something like that now. And it has been wild. It's been a journey. I literally wake up every single day or I'll be like doing something like earlier today. We were climbing this really beautiful hill up to a castle in Santiago in Chile, where we are now, my partner and I. And I was just like, how is this life? You know, it's so crazy that this is a life that I've built for myself. And I find myself a lot of moments being like, oh my gosh, like this is my life. This is what I do full time. And it's wild. And if you want that, then I freaking want that for you because it's so amazing to live a life where, because I've lived this life where you feel like you don't have to worry about going into work the next day or it's Sunday and you're like dreading a Monday. I have lived that for years and I never want that to be the case for me or for you again. So let's talk about the business aspect of things. This is probably the hottest question I get, especially from people who are looking to start their nomad journey. It is, how can I get started making money online so that I can travel? But the first step is that you really need to start making money online and making money somehow on the internet enough so that you can travel. And trust me, in a lot of countries in the world, you do not need a lot of money coming in every single month to live a good life. I have discovered that throughout my six years plus now of traveling full time. You do not need a lot of money unless you're in very specific Western countries, but that is a topic for another time. What did my business journey look like? Like I mentioned, I started my business in 2020. I tried a bunch of different things. You name it. I tried it. I was looking into the space. I was figuring out what I enjoyed, what I was passionate about. I took courses for months and I was so dedicated to it. And then I just ended up not being passionate about it and it not working out. So try all of the things, but try them fast, fail them fast. If you do not love it, if you're not completely passionate about it, it probably won't be sustainable. So I'm going to elaborate on that in a second a little bit more because that's a really important takeaway for me in my journey that I would have never expected. And now the hindsight is absolutely 2020. But start a business in an area that you're passionate about. And for me, when I started my business, I started doing digital marketing and I was doing the tech and the back end and behind the scenes for clients. And that's great. And I knew how to do that. And I was good at that. But knowing how to do something and being good at something is a lot different than enjoying it and it truly being your passion. In my story, what I realized, you know, three years into my business, when I have an income coming in every month and I'm working with clients and I have this thing that is built up, what I realized is that what I'm doing is not where my true passion lies. And this is what I challenge you if you are 
thinking about starting an online business to figure out where is your passion. And yeah, you can totally have a passion at making money. And that's great. And that's kind of how I went into things. But if you are hands on every single day in the business, it's not going to be sustainable. If you're doing something where it can be more easily offloaded, maybe let's say an Amazon FBA and you want to hire a manager to manage that for you, well, it doesn't require that much of your time. You don't have to be passionate about it. Of course, it requires a lot of your time in the beginning, but if FBA is not something that you're truly passionate about, then that's okay because once it's built up and once it has some momentum, then you can hire someone part-time and they can help you in the journey and they can help you grow and expand. It's not something that you need to always be in. But if you're working with clients and they're always expecting you and you need to show up, then that could be a problem in the future. And in the short term, it's great because you're making money online and it's fun and you can travel, but you want to really build something that's sustainable. There's no point putting your energy into something if you're just going to end up regretting it or hating it or resenting it a few years down the line. And a few years is a very short amount of time in business. I do want to add a few years is really you just getting started. So if this is a sustainable business, you want it to be a lifelong business. This is not something that you want to have to feel like you need to burn to the ground, which I have heard many entrepreneurs on this podcast specifically who have built something, have made enough money, but then just burn it all to the ground and start over because it was not a sustainable business model for them. So think about that before getting started. And like I said, that's something I learned the hard way on my journey. And now what I'm doing is this podcast is talking about finance and travel on my social platforms. That's what I enjoy doing. And I've always loved personal finance and investing. I've always loved traveling. Well, not always, but I've always had a passion for traveling. Then in the last decade, let's say I have fulfilled that passion. But yeah, I really encourage you to think critically about what it is that you're doing because I did not please learn from my mistakes. Diving deeper into this topic of business. Now, you have a business idea. It's something you're passionate about. How do you build it out into something? This is the million dollar question. There are a million and one different ways to make money in the online space. I can't give one specific answer because it looks different for every business. Every business is going to have different ways to get clients that are more effective than others or maybe having a funnel built out. So there's going to be many, many different options for what could look best for you in your business, but also for your personality. Maybe cold outreach is not something that resonates with you. Or maybe it really is that you can have a million dollar business from that because that is so, so possible. I know people who have done that just from cold outreach alone. So it really depends on you and the business that you're passionate about and that you're starting. However, I will tell you a little bit about my journey and what that looks like for me to give you some inspiration. When I started, I started working with local businesses in my area and it was all online. Of course, it was during COVID and then I was in China. So it's not like I was networking per se in the community. And if you do have one specific community, I highly, highly recommend getting started there because that is easiest. That's just the obvious low-hanging fruit and any business owner will tell you that. And I do still work with clients from my hometown, which is amazing. You want to find other ways that people can reach out to you. So here's what I recommend. Now, networking is something I'm always going to be passionate about. And networking just means talking to people and having conversations. It's not this huge, big, scary thing that I think 
the word, the all-encompassing word of networking sounds like. It's really just having conversations with people, seeing what their needs are, and if you can fulfill those needs. And maybe they can fulfill your needs. You know, it's it's really a give-and-take relationship. And it's also a relationship that you need to long-term nurture. I think in networking, a lot of the time people think, okay, I had one conversation, done. So my tip for this is because that's not the way you want to do it. My tip for this is whenever I connect with anyone, and for me, it's usually online because of course, I don't really have a local community right now. I'm in a Spanish speaking country. So it's usually online. It's through my podcast. It's through just meeting other people with like minds, which I love to do other nomads who are interested in finance and optimizing their global citizen lifestyle, whether that be their taxes or their residency. These are the people that I personally like connecting with because that's where my passion lies. Figure out who those people are and invite them somehow to speak to you. And there are many different ways that you can invite someone to speak with you. It can be through a podcast or a YouTube channel. If you have kind of an interview like a podcast segment on your YouTube channel, it can be through informal interviews. If it's another, for example, I had informal interviews, interviews in very loose quotes with like-minded nomads. And we just hop on a call and it's like, hey, we're not in the same part of the world right now, but I would love to get to know you and hear more about you and what you do and how you like to travel. I always, always connect with people on Instagram, especially if they're nomads, so then I can see their stories and see what they are doing. See what country they're in, what city they're in. And sometimes we happen to be in the same place or close. And then it's like, okay, cool. Like maybe I'll be here then. You can kind of figure it out a little bit more so that maybe you can meet, which I think is really, really fun. I like connecting with people on Instagram from the nomad community specifically, but LinkedIn is such an amazing tool. Anytime I make any connection, if they have both Instagram and LinkedIn, I am connecting with them on both of those two platforms because that's where I show up a lot daily. My YouTube, I show up, but it's not a daily thing where I'm putting out videos every single day. It's more of a niche digital nomad residency topics that I talk about. Whereas my LinkedIn and my Instagram are where I just update the daily things. It's a very informal yet still somewhat formal place. I would recommend to have a platform or platforms if you want to especially repurpose this content that are really where you're going to be hanging out the most. And don't just pick two or three even random platforms. Make sure that the other people that you're targeting, whether it be other nomads to connect or clients who you would potentially want to work with you and you know that you have a great service that would kickstart their business or that would bring them much more business. Whatever that looks like, you want to see where are they hanging out. And what I found specific for my digital marketing agency was most people are not hanging out on Instagram. If I want to build something, it will likely be on LinkedIn. I don't even post on Instagram for the marketing agency anymore. I never got one client from there. It was just never something that worked for me personally. And it can for some people, especially if your absolute true passion in life is in this example, let's say digital marketing, then that's probably going to shine through in your content. For me, it just wasn't. So Instagram didn't make sense. I wasn't connecting with the right people. I wasn't networking with the right people on Instagram. So I just cut that out completely. I stopped posting on Instagram because it was taking up time in my day and I wasn't ever getting a reward from it. So you want to make sure that you're on the right platforms 
that is so, so important and that you're consistent on the right platform. And that comes back to passionate. If you are passionate about something, you will be consistent. You will live and breathe it. You know, I live and breathe nomad life and global citizen life and helping other people lower their taxes and go to a country that treats them so much better than their home country that they don't even want to be a part of anyway. And teaching them how to invest as nomads and the finances behind this nomadic lifestyle, which I do not see enough people talking about because it looks so, so different when for me, not being a resident of my country, I can't invest in any of the tax optimized accounts. In Canada, we have the TFSA. In America, there's the Roth IRA and various other different accounts in America. And those options aren't available to me as a Canadian resident because I'm not a Canadian resident. You know, so it's like, what does that look like? And for me, that's fun. That's what I enjoy. And I'm passionate about that. Figure out what you're passionate about and then build from there. But build strategically. Don't just build. So anyways, going back to how I got started. So it was through networking. And in my local community, I started working with one business owner. And this is also key. Do a good freaking job. And so you can charge, you know, if you aren't feeling confident, you can charge a one month lower price. And then once you get a scope, a feel for the scope of the work, you can charge more. I mean, that's not always the best option. But if you're not feeling confident in your pricing, that is an option as long as the client understands that the price will be increasing. This is kind of just or you can do a two week trial period. So if you're just getting started, there are different ways that you can entice someone to bring them in, do amazing work for them. And then trust me, they will want to hire you. I have hired so many people in my business who the quality is just not there and I can tell that they are not passionate about what they're doing so usually it doesn't it doesn't last it doesn't work out you want to show your passion through and again if you started a business and something that you're passionate about that will show through that will absolutely show through do good work the first one or two months have them hooked and then they will refer you out they're business owners they are talking and networking in their community with other business owners so that's important to keep in mind too. Just get those first one or two clients, do an amazing job, get a testimonial from them after two or three months of doing really great work. They're going to have a great testimonial for you. And then ask them, hey, is there anybody in your local community who could need this service? Or, you know, I really, I think it's important in today's day and age to have some sort of ROI, not guarantee, that's not the right word, but you want to make sure that you are actually doing something and not everyone may be looking for this but I think especially when you're starting out you want to make sure what you're doing is actually going to be bringing money into their business so for an example email marketing is great if they have five email subscribers likely yourself as a copywriter specific for email newsletters isn't going to be helping them because they don't have enough people on that list to buy or maybe they have 5,000 people on their list but they haven't sent out an email in two years and you may as well just start over, you know, so you really want to make sure that you're targeting the right people and you want to make sure that what you are offering is going to bring them money in their business. Most people will hire based on wanting to have more money in their business, but they don't have the time or they don't have the expertise. Figure out which kind of ideal profile customer you're going after and make sure whatever you're offering, it's going to bring them money into their business. Another example, there's no point having social media management service and that's what you offer and that's what you're passionate about and that's what you do 
which is great. But if you're working for a business where their customers aren't on social media and maybe they want to have a really beautiful looking Instagram page, but their customers are not on Instagram, their customers are on LinkedIn, let's say, or maybe their customers come from a podcast or a YouTube channel. It doesn't make sense because you're not going to have any sort of ROI guarantee for them in the business. They're not bringing in any additional money by putting out the money to hire you. You really have to niche down and figure out who your ideal person is that do really great work, ask for referrals, ask for if anybody else in the community is looking to hire. The answer might be no, because they probably haven't had the seed planted in their mind, which you're now doing that, oh, if anybody's looking for this service, I'm going to recommend my client or my, I'm going to recommend you, you know, they now have this seed planted in their brain. So that's important as well. I truly, truly believe in all business. It just comes down to who you know. It's so cliche to say, but your network is your net worth and you want to be connecting with these people. And even if they're clients of yours, you still know them. They can refer you just because they've already converted into a paying client doesn't mean that the work ends there. Keep doing great work and you never know what will happen in the future. One of the failures, I would call a failure, and I, I don't think anything is truly a failure because you're always learning. But one of the quote unquote failures that I had when I was getting started on my digital nomad journey and business journey was that I, and I kind of already mentioned this, but I wasn't thinking of the long term. I wasn't thinking that what I'm building is going to be sustainable for a decade or two decades to come. And that's so, so important to think in the long term. I was thinking short term. I was thinking to get money now, which is great now, but I'm still going to want to be a nomad in two years and I'm still going to want to have money in two years, but I'd much rather be getting that money from something I've built up that I enjoy from doing the same amount of work and having something that I've built up that I just resent and dread every single day. Well, why are we even doing this? You may as well just be going into an office job. So that is so, so important when starting a business of your own, even if you're freelancing. Of course, if you're freelancing, I think it's more obvious because you'll be good at it, but make sure that you're good at it and it's something that you enjoy too. You wanna have a good cross-section of those two things. The last question that I get a lot is how much money do you need to actually travel? And like I said, I've lived outside of Canada for six years. I've been traveling for two, two and a half, I don't know exactly, years at this point. So I have a pretty good feel of how much money you need to travel. This answer, I can give you a very general sense, but this answer does depend on the city, country that you're in. But I will say, and I'm so, so passionate about this because I think most people don't realize this, is that life is so much less expensive outside of a few big countries, a few of the major Western countries. So if you are not planning on traveling or traveling for a long time in Canada, America, Australia, the UK, and maybe a few others, maybe let's include like the center of Paris, France, because I'm pretty sure that outside and in the countryside is also much more affordable. Europe is very affordable, but it's in these very specific areas where it is more expensive. But let's say there's 10 major areas in the world, either countries or cities like Paris in France that are expensive. If you take those out, you have the entire rest of the world, which is most countries in the world, to explore where you can get by, I would say, minimum 1,000 USD per month. And, you know, if you want to live a pretty good life, 
I would say two to 3,000 USD. You are not going to be wanting for anything. You're going to be able to eat out whenever you want. You're going to be able to have a nice place. And yeah, it's, it's really an amazing lifestyle. And I will say if you are traveling with somebody, whether it be a partner or a friend or your family comes to visit you, then share some rent and it can get much, much more inexpensive. So I have seen that Airbnb prices have gone up a little bit and we will usually Airbnb or in an Airbnb right now if you're watching this on YouTube. But what I have found is that typically it'll be anywhere from five to 600 USD per month. This is per month. So you get a little bit of a discount on Airbnb per month and it will be typically 500, 600 USD as the minimum. And for the maximum price for just a one bedroom or studio that's really, really nice in the city center, I would say could go to $1,500 maximum USD for most places. It can be more depending on the place. But as an example, right now we're in Santiago, the, the capital of Chile. And everyone told us before we arrived that this was the most expensive country in South America. And I'm like, this the price is the same as Argentina. I personally don't see much of a price difference. I think in restaurants, the prices are a little bit more expensive here, but don't see much of a price difference. And $1,000 for rent? Actually, no, because that's Canadian dollars. So like 750, 800 USD for one month in the center. And I'm talking like the heart of the downtown, beautiful area, one bedroom place. Yeah, it's not huge, but it has a table, it has a bedroom, it has a kitchen, it has all the things that you need in the heart of the city for such an amazing price. And I saw places when we were looking that went up to, I want to say like 1,300 Canadian. So that's like 900 to 1,000 USD for one month. That was bigger and I guess more beautiful. Yeah, it really just depends on your taste. So you can go far. And of course, there are other options to bring the price down further. You can hostel living, co-living, which sometimes is pricier. It just depends where you are. If you want to stay somewhere longer term, what I always recommend, if you want to stay six to 12 months, get an actual lease. You actually can't do that in Chile. Fun fact, not so fun fact. You can't do that in Chile because you have to be a resident to get a lease. That kind of sucks. And that's a good thing to keep in mind. But most places, you can work with a the owner of the building or a real estate agent and get a much, much lower fee because I'd say Airbnb is probably 50 to 70% more of a price increase on a monthly basis than what you would get if you are just renting and paying the owner because prices in most countries are pretty affordable. When I look at Canada, it's like 2000 starting for a studio in the city. I'm just like, I can't even. I can't even get that here unless I really, really want to ball out. But, you know, I, I don't need that level of luxury. I can put my money towards investments or other things that matter to me more. And that's why I don't go all out when I'm traveling, because I do want to put a little bit in my account and invest it and make sure that I'm preparing for nomad retirement, which is another topic that could be fun to talk about on the podcast in the future. But so these are some of the general questions that I get personally. If you want to know more about the finance and the money aspect, I know we talked about housing, which will be likely your biggest expense unless you are traveling, you know, every five days or every seven days, then it might be a little bit more expensive to actually get the plane tickets and the bus tickets and all of those things. But 
for the most part, the housing will be the most expensive every single month. And I do at the beginning of each month on my Instagram do a reel that is talking about my usually top five or six biggest expenses for that month and what they were. I always think they seem like kind of a lot, but then I hear other people who are living in Western countries and it's it's wild. It'll be like five times what I spend or more. Yeah, definitely a good reality check. So feel free to head to the links below. My Instagram at nomadneeks is there along with all of my other links. And I hope that this episode gave you a good insight, a good starting insight into my story, what the journey looked like for me, how it can look for you as well if you're starting this journey. And some of the questions that I get asked, the expenses, the rent prices, some of the things that didn't go well because not everything went well on this journey of mine. And it's, it's still, you know, always unfolding. But I've learned a lot in travel and in business. And those lessons definitely did not always come at the expense of nothing. So I hope that this episode helped you. Feel free to message me on Instagram if you ever have any questions or if you have any future podcast episodes that you think would be interesting for you that you would like me to make. So thank you for joining in on this episode. I'm your host, Nicole Nomad Neeks, and I will see you in Wednesday's episode.